Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The very basic core of a man's living spirit is his passion for adventure. Christopher McCandless. While I was working on that schooner, I was like, what am I going to do next? Like, I want to do something else. And and that, that seed that had been growing the whole time I was working at a law firm and living in the Caribbean and sailing the coast of Maine, there was this thing that was like, someday you're going to walk 2,000 miles through the mountains. And that thing just popped up one day. And it was like, oh, oh, holy cow, I'm going to hike the AT next year. I swear, it, it was like a brick just came flying out of the air and hit me in the head. And it said, Appalachian Trail on it. And it was like waking up to what I was going to do next. And so then my entire last season on the schooner, which was 2019, I was planning for the AT in 2020. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute to help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a thru-hiker who has done the AT and the PCT and has recently experienced a bit of difficulty in his life. And I'm interested to hear about these stories. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Jacob Pepper. How's it going, Jacob? Hey, Doc. Uh it's going good, man. Um, Pepper would be a preferable non-trail name. I guess for the past like decade, people have been calling me by my last name. Uh, yeah, that's actually an island name, uh, which is similar to a trail name. But uh, okay. I won't get into that yet. Um, okay, not, not quite yet. 
Yeah, yeah, because you know you're, you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Um, well, we won't. Yeah, use I'm your, good, man. I'm excited to be here. Good. We won't use your full name ever again on the podcast, Joe. It's just the introduction. We, we're going to go straight to trail names. So I, I know you've done the two very long hikes, and I'm sure that you've picked up a trail name along the way. What is your trail name? Uh, my can't, trail name is currently Crush. Uh, I've actually had two trail names, but uh, I'll tell you all about it if you want to hear. Do we get two for the price of one, or you just want to tell us about Crush? Uh, I'll do two for one, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. What was your first one? How'd you get it? And then how did it evolve to, to crush? Okay. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to start. I'm going to go in reverse order like memento. Okay. All right. So my trail name's currently crush uh, from the PCT last year, 2022. Um, you know, people assume that name is like, yeah, dude, I crush miles, you know, and it's like <laughs> not even remotely. Um, if you know, me and my tramley from the PCT, uh, shout out to the Tree Amigas and Trench Pullers. Um, we were basically what I like to call SKTing, uh, you know, slowest known time, maybe not quite, most definitely silliest known time. Uh, so we were not like, you know, out there to like crush it or whatever. Uh, <laughs> We had uh, some pretty esoteric reasons that this became my trail name. Uh, one that we like to tell people is, you know, oh, he talks like the turtle from Finding Nemo. But like uh, to kind of let the cat out of the bag, the real name reason that my name is Crush is because uh, I develop crushes on people easily. <laughs> so, um, you know. Uh, one of my friends started saying, oh, crush is crushing again. And uh, it kind of just stuck after that. So, so um, some, quick, some quick trail bonding out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I'm on trail or generally in my life, I kind of have my heart on my sleeve and uh, I just go in very open uh, to my own detriment at times. But um, now is that you know, crush with a K or with a C? With a C. Yeah. No Definitely, K definitely with a C. Uh, there's no there's no K in that. No, no, there isn't. Um, yeah, so, you know, I find that name more fitting on some level than my AT trail name, which was also very appropriate. Uh, I did the AT in 2020, and uh, early on on the trail, I mean, so in general, I listened to, like, punk and metal and hardcore, and early on on the trail, I was listening to, like, Cro-Mags and Sepultura and, like, moshing on the trail, and, you know, like dance walking, like, <laughs> and uh, somebody caught me doing that and they named me Mosh Pit. So, uh, you know, that was a fun name is very unique and appropriate for a certain aspect of my personality. Um, the funny thing about Mosh Pit is like, it kind of gives a preconceived notion to people that haven't met me, uh, which I didn't realize until one day I call Boots Off Hostel, right? And I'm like, yo, me and my family, the third graders are uh, going to show up tonight. Do you guys have room for us? And I was like, this is Mosh Pit. And they were like, okay, Mosh Pit, we'll take you guys in. And we get there and they're like, all right, we're going to the liquor store, but Mosh Pit, you better not get too crazy. And I was like, uh, I don't really drink on trail, dude. <laughs> 
so I don't know. I guess it comes with this like sense of, you know, maybe being slightly abrasive or yeah, you're you're a rabble energetic. you're a rabble rouser and a troublemaker. A rabble you, rouser, pit, dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it was kind of a. I felt like it might be better to move on from that, and I like the the crush based in the the loving sentiment a little bit more for myself. Um, nice. Yeah, and I guess uh, on that note, it's worth noting that, as I touched on, because I was about to just start explaining, uh, now I will. People call me Pepper uh, pretty much since I moved to the Caribbean in 2014. Um, as soon as I got there, I was trying to get into this hostel, and uh, this dude was like, what did you say your name was again? And I was like, uh, Jacob Pepper. And he goes, okay, Pepper. And it just stuck from like that moment forward. And, you know, uh, Island is very similar to trail. Like he's on Island. He left Island. Uh, the Island provides, you know, it's very similar. Yeah. It's weird. The, the, well, I don't know what you would call that. Um, the parallels, I guess, between Island life and trail life. So I've been living with Pepper forever. And when I got on the AT originally, I'd be like, yo, I'm Pepper. And the people would be like, that's a cool trail name. And it's like, no, that's just like my name, dude. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I might get another trail name. You know, yeah, I feel see. like we grow and evolve and things are different all the time. So I'm open to another name sometime. Nice. Couple things yeah. here. I, 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 you know, at first glance, full confession, I would have guessed that you're like a kind of a yacht rock guy, not a, not a heavy metal guy. Well, you mean like uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, dude? Yeah, yeah, some Christopher Cross. Yeah. Nice. yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, have you ever had? Have you ever called the Colin Oates hotline? No, I have not. I didn't. I didn't uh, realize such a thing existed. It's been around for like thirty years, and it's still active. Yeah, uh, huh. Google it. You can find the phone number. It's a Colorado area code, and it's a hotline that will play you four call or Holland Oates songs from start to finish, and then hang up on you. Wow, nice. That that's next level right there. I appreciate that insight. We'll include that in the show <laughs> well, notes. You mentioned yacht rock, dude. That's right. That's right. Now, um, you, you derailed me. I had I had another thought, but you you just totally. It, it vanished from my mind. So if I remember, I'll come back to it. But okay. Uh, oh, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Speaking of trail names, uh, I have taken to the philosophy of I treat every episode like we're going down a trail and each episode is going to come up with its own trail name based on our conversation. You know, something we talk about, some 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 kind of uh, oddity, whatever it might be. And so I'll be on the lookout during our conversation for an appropriate episode title. And it's kind of like a, it's kind of under the, the trail name philosophy there. So it's, it's kind of intriguing. I'll let you know when I stumble upon something. Right on, dude. I like it. Okay. Now, have you had a chance, Crush, to listen to any of the episodes before? I have. Yeah. Um, I I've been doing a lot of practice hiking lately on the weekends and uh, generally try to squeeze in one episode every weekend or so for the past month. So I've probably gotten like four or five episodes in. I started with the... Uh, 2022 calendar year triple crown crowd and that was really cool uh all those guys are really sweet and it was cool to see them all in the same uh virtual room together yeah trail savants very appropriate title i mean those guys are just next level yeah they are 
Uh, I don't know if I could hang with them on a daily basis on trail. <laughs> so I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we have towards the end of each episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Right on. Okay. The Must Bring Gear Review. Hey, Crush. Another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, or in your case, a multi-month hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Crush, what do you have to have out there when you're on trail? Smart water nipple. It's the first time a nipple has been has been mentioned as the must-bring piece of gear. So congratulations on that. Yeah, dude, this thing is next level. Um, it doesn't have to be smart water brand. I'm not like a shill. Uh, Lifewater, Propel, they make the exact same. It's probably coming out of the same factory in China. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like I can drink an entire liter in like less than 10 seconds through one of these things. I have one on my... Sawyer filter, uh, it works great to shove a Sawyer squeeze in there and backwash it. Um, yeah, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I like, you know, the, you could pretty much backpack with anything. If somebody was like, I'm going to set you up with a gear pack out. Uh, if you want, I can give you like a runner up because I know that that's like a weird thing. I like the weird things, but I also like, you know, we're talking about gear. Let's hear about it. All right. So uh, probably the only item that's uh, assuming that me and my body make it to the end of the triple crown. Um, the only item that will have made it through the entire AT, the entire PCT, and hopefully the entire CDT is uh, my enlightened equipment Torrid with a hood. Uh, with a hood? I yeah, I need a synthetic puffy and I needed to have a hood because I want the option to wear it if it's like really crappy out while I'm hiking and I sleep in it. So the hood is like, you know, a major part of like keeping my face warm and uh, I want to be able to sweat in it and get it really gross and enlightened equipment probably wouldn't recommend this, but I've just like thrown that thing in the washing machine so many times like on trail. And uh, at this point, I'm just like sewing it up and putting tenacious tape all over it because it's starting to fall apart. But I'm going to make it go the whole 8,000 miles, dude. That's a sign of love when you're sewing it up and putting tape on it. I mean, you don't, you don't mm. want to get rid of that. You want to hang on to that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, you hiked the, the AT in 2020 and the PCT in 2022. What, what, was your, what was your base weight on the AT and how did that change on the PCT? So my base weight, uh, has kind of always fluctuated. I, um, can't wait to get on trail and I hate the cold. So I'm getting on trail in March. Every time I'm doing one of these big Nobo hikes, excuse me, it's too freaking cold in March for me, for my liking. Uh, if you ask anybody that I hike with, uh, I am, cold averse to put it lightly and uh i'm the first person to uh bitch and moan about it and um 
So I start with, you know, enough to keep me alive when it's cold. And as soon as the weather's nice, I start throwing stuff in the mail, sending it home. Um, so on the AT, my base weight started probably close to 15 pounds and finished around nine. And on the PCT, it was kind of the same thing. You know, the PCT, I'm starting in March. I was in the High Sierra in May. Uh, I was carrying in, in the Sierra a bear can, micro spikes, an ice axe, um, a pack with stays in it to, to hold all of my junk. Like, I remember my back was in pain in the Sierra. And then by July, August, um, I've got this, you know, little frameless pack and I was carrying like less than nine pounds of junk with like an eight panel Z light strapped to the back of the pack as my pad and like a 40 degree quilt. That's like a glorified bed sheet. So yeah, it, it fluctuates, you know, if it's cold out, I'm going to take care of myself. And if it's not cold, then I carry as little as I possibly can basically. Got it. You and I, I think are simpatico in that we are cold averse. I like that. I like that phrase. You know, I wear a puffy in the office sometimes uh, at work and I've got people that say, there's no way that you're a hiker out in the Sierras if you're wearing a puffy inside in the office. I mean, what what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just, you know what? I don't like to be cold and I, I, you know, I pack my fears. I hear that, man. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Now, this is good. We're gonna we're gonna get to a segment where we're gonna talk a little more about gear, but while we're on it, I wanna I wanna hear from you. You know, what what advice can you give other hikers who are looking to lighten their pack? If you have a, once the cold is gone, if you've got a, a nine pound or an eight pound base weight, I mean, you're doing pretty well. So what, what is the secret to not carrying 40 pounds on your back? Spending a lot of money on gear, <laughs> like unashamedly just being like, Oh, a $600 tent. Sorry. That tent's $700 now. Uh, you know, um, I don't know, man. It's all this techie stuff that's out these days. When I started hiking, when I got on the AT, I uh, bought a hammock when I lived in the Caribbean. And that's when I discovered the term ultralight. And I was like, what's that? You know? Uh, so I didn't ever have to, other than my first ever backpacking trip, this is total segue and I'm not going to go deep into it, but I went out on on the AT for three days in 2009. And I borrowed my friend's like external aluminum frame pack, you know? Uh, and we were carrying all kinds of junk, like Mason jars full of moonshine and who knows what else was in there. I don't know, man, that was ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, the reality is, uh, I save, I work and save money for hiking. Right. And then I'm like, not in a rush. And also I spare no expense on gear that $600 tent. That's like six months of rent at a hundred bucks a month. So, um, I just kind of went for it and I discovered that's a, that's a great perspective crush. I like that. That's uh, you know, a hundred dollars per month for, for six months of worth of rent. I mean, that, that's a good way of looking at it. And we have an early contestant for, uh, for the episode name moonshine and Mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I can hang with that. Uh, if you want to hear that story at some point, I'm sure I could tell it. Okay. Now you also bring up another good point in that 
somebody who's considering doing a, a, some backpacking, some through hiking should not let expense be a reason why they don't do it. I mean, you can go out there and get some, get some gear that is not terribly expensive and it's a, it's a bit heavier, but you don't know any different. I mean, as, as a first time backpacker, you're going to carry a little extra weight and you can, you can dial it in afterwards, but you know, get out there and get the experience. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, there's definitely like, I don't know what to call it. Some kind of gatekeeping in through hiking that is like the really nice, like if you want a nine pound base weight, you kind of got to pay for it. But there's also like, I've seen all kinds of videos online and stuff about like the, the $50 Amazon duplex or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there's like cheap knockoff versions of everything these days. And a lot of these techie fabrics and textiles that they're making stuff out of like, uh, DCF and ultra fabric now and all this stuff. Um, it's becoming more widespread. So it's like, you can find it. And I mean, even a good sill nylon tent or whatever, uh, you, they're getting lighter all the time. So, yeah. And so we, you know, to, to go to revisit your question of how do you get a light base weight? I don't, I don't think that that matters as much as people want to make it out. Like, yeah, dude, like I'm ultra light. Like I, I'm glad that I'm ultra light for reasons that we're inevitably going to talk about in this interview, dealing with my neck and shoulders. Um, you know, I don't know if I could hang doing 2,700 miles with like 40 pounds on my back and to be entirely honest, but like you said, anybody can just get what they get and go into it. The number of times that I've heard somebody say like, I started with 60 pounds and now I'm, you know, 10,000 miles into hiking. It's just like a learning and growing process and slowly chipping away at improving your gear pack out as you, if you don't have the internet or don't, you're not a huge nerd like me sitting around on the internet all day. You learn from other hikers on trail. Sitting on the internet, uh, listening to crisscross and doing your research on your next hike. That's right. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and you know what, it, it's part of the way of life where you, you start out with heavier than you want to be. And then, you know, part of the, part of the pleasure that I derive from this is then making some adjustments, getting some new gear, getting lighter. And in your next hike, you're like, wow, I'm down to, I'm down to 18 pounds. I mean, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah, totally, man. Um, it, you kind of, yeah, like you said, you earn it in a way it's, and then it's like, it's like you leveled up and then all of a sudden it's easier a little bit because you're carrying less weight, even though you put in the work to get trail legs and to build up your shoulders and your neck and all that. And then all of a sudden you're carrying less weight and then you're doing more miles, which I mean, some people that's what they want to do is crush miles and, you know, um, yeah, it all kind of balances out. It's, it's a, a growth process, you know, it's natural for pretty much everybody who sticks through for even just one big through hike. Uh, there's change that occurs. So, yeah, you mentioned level up and I've heard that from some other, some other folks that I've talked to as well. Are, are you, are you from the gaming generation? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, yeah. I'm a huge freaking nerd. Um, I didn't know the idea of being like outdoorsy, uh, until I was like 30 or something like uh, I spent most of my youth playing 
Nintendo and then PlayStation and then sitting at the computer goofing off on the internet, like even as early as like the 56K modem days. And uh, my first real job out of college was sitting in a cubicle at a big corporate law firm for four years. Um, Like I was tied to a computer for a lot of my youth. I mean, I was also in like skateboarding and bicycles, but I didn't play sports. I didn't go into the great outdoors in the way that I now like identify with the wilderness as a major part of my life. Um, yeah. So I played a lot of video games as a kid <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I like, I like the, the comparisons, the, 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 uh, metaphors, you know, of, of leveling up, you're taking this, this gaming term and applying it to some outdoor activity and, you know, learning and getting some more experience, getting some more hit points as it may be. And, yes, uh, that, that, that's a good way of looking at things. And, you know, a whole segment of our listeners right now is Googling. They're using the Google to look up 56K modem. Like, what, what, is, what is that? How, <laughs> how does that work? You ever hear about uh, they, they showed a kid a three and a half inch floppy disk and he said, oh, you 3D printed the save as icon. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, one more thing about that leveling up, though, it actually ties even closer pre-video game to Dungeons and Dragons, which ties very closely to living in the woods and hiking the trail. You're and on a quest. All of this, You're on a quest. That's right. Yes, you are on a quest. And all of this ties even further back to the 1940s when Tolkien basically came up with all of this when he wrote the fellowship of the ring which is absolutely a through hiker odyssey dude like right. they get really hungry they complain about the weight of their packs they zero at tom bombadil's house like it is through hiking in fantasy novel form and that's what we're doing you're hitting all the buttons crush this is awesome yeah the, the most popular most famous through hike ever is not Cheryl Strayed in Wild. It, it's uh, the Fellowship of the Rings. The, yes, the it is. That's right. Very awesome. good. All right. Hey, let's continue talking about gear a little bit with. It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. And that is pole spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey. Not like the thing you carry in your hand out there. I like to point that out because I think I'm clever. Um, you can react as all my other guests do with just kind of st- stunned silence. But this is a seven question survey that allows me to give you a score from one to a hundred on the sanity scale with one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. And you have to know crush that because you've done the PCT and the AT uh, there's an automatic 25 point deduction. Your highest score possible is 75. Okay. So right. I'm like three quarters sane from the jump. That's right. That's right. Cause we, we already know there's, there's something a little bit off. All right. If I were to ask your friends and family, what how would they score you on the sanity scale? What what number would they give you? Jeez, dude. Uh, I guess you know most of the friends that I have in the world these days are through hikers, so they would probably think that I'm perfectly sane. Um, my mom is going on seventy five years old. Uh, she is like my hero. I wouldn't be here without her. And uh, she lived a very traditional life growing up. Um, And she was a registered nurse for 50 years. And 
yeah, soft spot for nurses. Um, she thinks I'm awesome. I don't know. Like, she's like, you know, good on you for chasing your dreams and like having the gumption to go for it. Um, rather than just like succumbing to that law firm job that was like chipping away at my soul. Like there wasn't much left when I got out of there and I was like, I'm going to the Caribbean. Uh, you know, and I had to spend a decade of my life sort of building that back up. And so, yeah, I don't know. Long winded answer. Um, I think that my friends and family think that I'm sane in the sense that I'm doing what it takes to achieve my own existential fulfillment in this lifetime. Well, that that's great crush, but I'll be the judge of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, there's a new, a new uh, contender for, for uh trail name title. And that is chipping away at my soul with crush. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. All right, here we go. Seven questions. Uh, they're they're all hiking related. You're gonna get which side of the issue you fall on, and also give a little bit of an explanation to to back up your answer. That'll help you with my scoring. Okay. All right. Question number one: Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Trekking poles forever. Uh, I started with trekking poles. You know, I did like I said before. I ever got on the AT, I spent like a year like on the internet, like researching stuff, and you know, trying to make wise decisions. Uh, out the gate and it just made more sense. And now I've got 5,000 miles under me and I can tell you that I don't feel comfortable hiking without my trekking poles, even though, uh, half the time, at least these days I'm carrying my poles in one hand. They're like a toy. Like I like dance with them and play with them and, you know, twirl them around, uh, my friend Yukon is really good at that. He does like the drumstick twirl with a trekking pole all day wow. long. Um, but no. Okay. So the point is trekking poles are your, they are legs three and four. Okay. You, you have four extremities as a human being, but two of them don't touch the ground. And with trekking poles, they do. And that is insanely helpful. I'm like, carrying part of the weight of my pack on my poles when i'm going up a really steep hill i lean into them and it's almost like i'm walking on all fours uh so i don't know how to do that without tracking poles at this point um beyond that i mean water crossings dude you know three points of contact that's what they teach you when you're 75 feet in the air on the cross trees of a schooner mast um if you only got two legs you only got two points of contact. So three points of contact when you're in a sketchy situation. Uh, and then, of course, I use a trekking pole shelter, and I don't want to use anything else. So trekking poles. Okay. That's an, it's a very extensive answer, very complete, and I like the way you presented that. Thank you. All right. Question number two, what's on your feet, boots or trail runners? Trail runners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I adjusted to liking things light and, uh, boots are heavy. You know, that whole, like the military says a pound on your foot is like 17 pounds on top of your head or whatever it is, you know, um, it's heavier when it's on your foot. I, I guess that's what I learned when I was like researching it on the internet. The other thing is having 
moved into through hiking from five years of sailing, half of which was spent living in the Caribbean. I was actually on St. John and the Virgin Islands for four years. There was about a three-year period where I was effectively barefoot and my toes became like naturally splayed out like fingers all the time. So when I was finding what shoes I could wear, when I got back to the States and started wearing shoes again on the schooner, I was wearing Vans because that's what I grew up in as like a skater nerd kid. Everybody wore Vans. or um, Vans like squished my feet, my toes. The, the little pointy toe of a Vans shoe was too pointy for me after I lived in the Caribbean. So then, of course, I discovered ultra lone peaks because it was like the number one shoe people hiked in for the couple of years leading up to me hiking. And I put on a pair of lone peak fours and I basically never looked back. I've had like nine pairs of lone peaks now, um, fours, four and a half, five, six, seven. And I'm currently like 200 miles into a pair of sevens and they're great. So nice, nice couple things. I think maybe your neutral name could be finger feet. <laughs> That's a, that's a, it that's could, a, it that's could. A, that's a, that's you should see my toes, dude. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, include a picture on the on the uh, the preview so, social media posts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll make that happen. And then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned doing your research. On both those answers, you mentioned doing your research, and I'm not surprised at that at all. Because from our exchange earlier today, I, I assume that you've been doing preparation and planning for today's uh, interview all day long. I mean, you you really have have taken this prep level to 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 the next level. Yeah. So you sent me the script, right? Like the kind of list of questions um, a couple of weeks ago, and I immediately started like crafting answers, and uh, then I kind of like put put the brakes on and like let it stew for a while and over the past couple days i it was like homework i was like i gotta yeah, i was just, I gotta I was just sure gonna say not... crush this this was not meant to be homework i apologize if you felt that <laughs> that burden of having to do the homework yeah it's, it's a cross eye bear no dude like it was more exciting to me you know um so i was like trying to make sure that you weren't gonna get a boring conversation out of me it depending on my mood and if i've studied for whatever it is I could be like deer in headlights, like, uh, I don't know, dude. And then it's boring, you know? So, uh, yeah, I did prepare and I actually, uh, did some work today on the remodel of my friend's house. But, uh, then I basically cut out and came back here and started preparing. And yeah, like I was like, I like showered. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. All kinds of, all kinds of good stuff. You, you told your friend, Hey, Hey dude, I can't help you anymore. I've got to go prepare for this podcast. Yeah, I did. Nice. All right. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter out there, are you a tent guy, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? What's your preference? Uh tent. Definitely. Um, I, I think I'm like too, tall and skinny to sleep in a hammock. I don't know. There's a hundred six foot six guys that would tell me that I'm stupid for saying that, but I've never really like, I can like chill in a hammock. Right. But I can't like get a good night's rest. I've also never had the, what is it like four feet longer than you are tall so that you can like get sideways and be like flat. I don't know. (laughs) I just, uh, my friend cascade on the AT was a hammocker and she killed it and made me a little jelly sometimes. Um, but 
I just started with a tent and I'm still in a tent. Uh, and it's a trekking pole tent. It is a trekking pole tent. Yeah. Um, which makes it, uh, simpler, you know, it's a single wall, uh, mesh doors. I, I don't know. I, I really like my tent, uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, I can't imagine. So my tent is also, it's a duplex, of course. Right. Uh, I freaking love my duplex. It's like a castle. There's so much room inside and I can like hang out and roll around and have all my stuff. Everything that I have is always in my tent with me. Um, so if it's pouring rain, like my shoes, my pack, it's all in the tent. Uh, what I don't know. So what is your stance? I would love to hear some back and forth on because I could just go off about bivy sleeping because to me oh. that's like a a burrito bag. Yeah, so I've I've tried it all. I've tried except for hammock. I haven't I haven't tried hammock although I suspect that though I can take a great nap on a hammock, I don't think I could get a good night's sleep in a hammock. But I I've tried it all. Cowboy camping is awesome until something crawls on you, right? But it's awesome. I love it. Um, in my quest to go ultralight, I I got a a bivy, and you know we did a hike in uh, on the John Muir Trail in in the Sierras, and my buddies were you know it started raining in the afternoon, and we we just hit camp, and they got they were able to get into their tents and be comfortable and everything else, and here I am in a burrito bag, right? And it was just not it was not a fun afternoon, so I said I'm not doing this anymore. And so for a while I did, I went down the rabbit hole of tarps and tarp pitches and, mm. and, and trying to, you know, conserve the ounces there. And that was, that was good, but there is something about being inside a tent uh, that is, that is satisfying. So I, I'm back to a tent now. And I, I use the, the lunar solo from six moon designs, which is, which is awesome. Nice. Yeah. My friend has one of those. Uh, yeah, man. Okay. Can I tell you a short story about cowboy camping? Absolutely. All right. So I've only cowboy camped a handful of times. I'm, uh, I don't know. I like my little home inside my tent. I've had mice chew their way into my tent and woken up being ch chasing a mouse around the inside of my tent, getting them to leave. But that's a rarity, right? Last year on the PCT, <laughs> we were all up in the bush. We were going for this spot that was like you had to bushwhack to get there. And we never got there. We're like in a bunch of manzanita and mountain misery and all this junk. Um, my friend Yukon rolls in late. It's like after dark and there's not a lot of space up in all these bushes. And he's tired and he's like, screw it. I'm just going to cowboy. And he lays all his stuff down. He had like a Tyvek sheet and the whole thing. And he slept real cozy. He wakes up in the morning and I'm still in my tent and I hear him just all of a sudden like son of a bitch. And I like peek out my tent and he's holding his pack, which was right next to him. And one of the shoulder straps had been chewed through because where the shoulder strap goes under you and connects to the bottom of the pack. It, it collects a bunch of sweat in there and it's like a salt lick and right where the strap meets the pack, it was chewed off like at the pack. There was nothing to sew it back onto. And so 
And then he's like, there's the mouse. And I look out of my tent and it's right there, dude. Like this mouse did not care. We were on his turf and he was like, I'm eating your shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, that to me really kind of drove home. Like, be careful where you cowboy camp. Yeah, that's right. Bring the pack inside if you can. So but what a nightmare situation that must have been. Yeah, it got worked out eventually, but uh, I'm sure if uh, Yukon listens to this, he's going to be like, that's a sore spot. Why did you tell that story? <laughs> All right. Question number four, when it comes to your sleep system, how about uh, are, you, are you sleeping bag or quilt? Well, yep. Uh, I started the AT with a full zip sleeping bag and, um, I guess I was glad for it, but when I switched to a quilt, I was like, yep, this is all I need. And then uh, when I was starting the PCT, I was really nervous about doing the cold half of the PCT in a quilt. So I got a new quilt that was a 20 degree long wide so that it would be like enough to tuck underneath of me and enough to like burrow inside of like, you know, I like cover my face with a quilt. Um, and it worked a uh, 20 degree long wide, uh, kept me alive through single digit temperatures, uh, snow and rain and moisture and, uh, surviving the high Sierra in May. Um, it was good. And I actually came to, the determination that it was too much quilt. So now I have a 20 degree regular width, regular length quilt. For those folks who are listening and not watching on YouTube, you're really missing out on all of Crush's antics as he, as he explains these, these different concepts and stories. So I don't know if you want to pause and, and go to the YouTube to, to take a look <laughs> All right. Question number five, when it comes to food out there, are you a stove guy, cold soak or stoveless? Okay. Wait, isn't cold soak and stoveless the same thing? Cold soak, you're soaking your meal. So it gets softer, right? Stoveless, you could have, you know, you could have uh, salami, crackers, cheese, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I've actually done, I had, I never really thought of those as separate categories. Uh, I've actually done all three. Um, when it's cold, being cold averse, I better have a freaking stove, okay? Uh, I need to put hot food in my body before I go to sleep, and I need to put hot liquid in my body as soon as I wake up. Um, and if it's really cold and it's a long day and we got to stop and I'm like in my puffy and I'm like, it's cold, uh, I need to make something hot in the middle of the day. Um, but that's really what it is. The stove for me, it's not about comfort or well, it's comfort in the sense of warmth, not comfort in the sense of like delicious food or like I need my mountain house or whatever. No, it's it's warmth. Um, beyond that, uh, on the AT, I got rid of my stove and I basically did what you called stoveless. Uh, I wasn't even carrying like a Talenti jar for like 500 miles. I was eating like tortillas and pepperoni and string cheese and fritos and pop tarts and uh shoot i guess i was doing like uh you know 
Idahoan potatoes. I'm not sponsored, but I love Idaho and potatoes. Like I just pulled that out of nowhere. Sorry. Yeah, again, um, again, if you're not watching this, he he just reached he just reached somewhere and pulled out a bag of potatoes, uh, freeze dried potatoes. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, but those those bags of Idaho and people don't realize it's like a mountain house. You can pour water straight in there. You can even pour boiling water straight into the bag of Idaho and potatoes, and hot water is clearly preferable, but cold water will, uh, reconstitute your dehydrated potatoes and then like tuna packets. Right. So that was like the second half of the AT. And then the second half of the PCT was, I was carrying a Talenti jar. I was like cold soaking ramen noodles for dinner all the time, which I think ultimately is my favorite dinner item. Um, I kind of eat cheap, especially on trail. Cause it's just like calories, you know, like give me 5,000 calories, like whatever. Um, Mountain house meals are like 10 bucks a pop. Ramen's like 37 cents. Yeah. I've uh, tried all kinds of meals. I've tried, I've tried all kinds of recipes. I keep coming back to ramen. Ramen. Yeah, dude, it's chicken, really hard ramen and tuna. Dude. Ramen is the way to go in, in, in my book. And am, yeah. am I, am I weird in this in that at home grew up on pop tarts, love pop tarts. I could eat pop tarts every single day on the trail. Pop-Tarts seem to be a chore. I, I'm not really excited about eating Pop-Tarts on the trail. And I don't know what it is. It's because they're so dry, dude. You're like, oh, oh, oh. it takes so much effort. Like you got to be drinking water while you're eating your Pop-Tarts. That may be it. You may be onto something there. Okay. So I got one, one more thing to say about cold soaking that I think right. is different because when it comes up, people are like, what is wrong with you? I hate well hate is a strong word i dislike hot oatmeal cold oatmeal is awesome it rules let me make a let me make a note in the poll here hang on okay go ahead oh shoot yeah that's (laughs) there goes my sanity count right (laughs) uh seriously dude you put some water on a packet of you know brown sugar cinnamon or maple oatmeal in a talenti jar and just shake it up and then like drink it it's like breakfast cereal it's so good yeah so uh i can get by on cold soaking if the weather's nice if it's not getting uh below like you know 35 degrees at nighttime i don't need a stove yeah you definitely have an opinion there you're adamant i mean you were you were emphatic in in your explanations i appreciate that I, i like when somebody takes a stand like that all right question question number six is life better above or below the tree line? Wow, dude, this is a extremely complicated question. Did you know that? That's why I ask it. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I heard anybody in the handful of episodes I listened to give a straight answer to this question. I tried to like come up with like a logical, you know, best of scenario. And, um, I think, I think you've, gotta, you've, you've just got to go with your heart on this one. I mean, whatever speaks to you, what, what speaks to you? Uh, well, it, it's circumstantial. If it's cold or rainy, or if I'm sleeping, I want to be below the tree line. Um, I was up going up Mount Washington by myself on the AT in 2020. And like, uh, at this point in the trail, I wasn't carrying a rain jacket. 
And as soon as I got above tree line, here comes the like daily afternoon thunderstorm over Mount Washington. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. And I'm like one hill over, but I'm totally getting rained on. So I sit down next to this little pine tree that's like, you know, three feet tall and like tuck up into it and pull out my duplex and wrap myself in it. And I just sit there in this thunderstorm like this sucks. <laughs> and that took like a half hour of my day away because I was like, I'm not hiking above tree line in a thunderstorm. So, you know, the crack the of electricity, the your hair, your hair feeling a little, a little funny. As you're going over a 13,000 foot pass. I mean, that, that is invigorating. So yes, if, if there's not a thunderstorm, I freaking love being above tree line. It is surreal, completely surreal. You're like in the stratosphere when you're at the top of the PCT, 13,000 feet, even 12,000 feet up on top of Mount Whitney, you know, 14,505. This is, that is a trip, dude. You can like barely breathe. You could see the whole earth. I remember when I first got to the peak of San Jacinto, it was the first time in my entire life I'd been anywhere near that elevation. That's 10,800. And San Jacinto is cool because it's surrounded by desert valley. And I'm looking at the desert and I'm like, this is like being in a freaking airplane, dude. And yeah, it blew my mind. So yeah, I guess if you wanted to say like existentially, uh, you know, what is more fulfilling or satisfying? Definitely being at the top of the earth is one of the craziest things I've ever done. So above tree line. Above, we, we got there eventually, but you're going with above tree line. Yeah. All right. Nice. You know, there's a campsite um, right at the start of the Whitney Trail. You know where it's, you, you hit the signpost where it says 1.9 to Whitney? Right there. Is there's that a like, sorry? There's a so there's a there's a signpost near Trail Junction that says you know 1.9 miles to Mount Whitney, just below. Yeah, that so you're talking about that little cowboy camp on the side of the mountain. Yes, that's right. That next to that next to that sign, there's there's some camping opportunities there. I've spent the night there twice uh, on that you know, thirteen thousand four hundred feet, and it was it was insane. Loved it, loved it. You didn't freeze to death? No, mm -mm. dude. I saw those spots and I was like, oh my God, that's burly. Like, I don't know if I could. Yeah. My trips were in like July and August. So they weren't in, they weren't in May like you, but uh, that, that'd be something else. But the incredible, incredible vista, best view of any campsite I've ever had. Wow. That's so awesome, dude. Yeah. That's kind of inspiring. You have inspired me to camp above 13,000 feet. All right. <laughs> I'll do it someday. Question number seven, last one. What's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Jeez. Mm, there's not, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you there's not a straight answer to that. Uh, I have to do a balancing act, right? Because like I said, I'm, I don't like carrying a lot of heavy stuff. Um, I don't think I hike as comfortably with more stuff but there are a couple things where it's like i'm not not carrying that you know i mentioned not having a rain jacket in the whites of the at that was more of like a learning and growing experience um 
I got a 12 ounce rain jacket, a black diamond on the PCT at Yogi's shop in Kennedy Meadows, Triple Crown Outfitters. And I carried that thing for the rest of the trail. And there's like all these like six ounce uh, frog tog or Z packs, whatever. The $300 rain jacket weighs six ounces. Nah, I like my black diamond, dude. That thing's burly. It's got like some, some, I don't know, stiffness. It feels like you're wearing something. Uh, I would have, oh, go ahead. It's got some substance to it. Substance. Thank you. I would have frozen to death going up Mount Whitney without that jacket. So, you know, that to me is a luxury item. Um, I guess on the AT for a while, I carried like a slinky. I had a slinky. That was cool. It was basically like an ultralight luxury item, something to add like color and joy to my day. It was one of those rainbow plastic slinkies. That's almost um, an homage. That's almost an homage to Jupiter. Oh yeah, he follow? carries a yo-yo, right? He carries a yo-yo. That's right. You carry a slinky. He carries a yo-yo. I love it. So the thing with Jupiter's yo-yo, I, I totally wanted to get on that train. I was like, that dude's a genius. Jupiter doesn't hike with poles. I can't have poles and a yo-yo. That's uh, impossible. That can get tricky. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So good on him. Uh, Jupiter definitely helped me figure out a lot of stuff early on when I was researching gear. Uh, and this is like back in 2019. And he's like the famous guy now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like his style, but I have to have trekking poles. So no yo-yo for me. Uh, I'm not really able off the top of my head to think of like what my other luxury items would even be. So I so guess pack, I kind of so, so pack weight or luxury items. I was gonna say I kind of lean towards pack weight. Okay, all right. Well, the the answers are in. Let me put them through the John Freaking Mirpod algorithm. I got to do some math here, uh, so bear with me. I've got to uh, I got to carry the three. We're gonna divide by pi. We're gonna multiply by root three, and we're gonna adjust for the the air temperature and pressure at 13,400 feet in May in the Sierras. And I come up with a score of 53, 53 for Ooh. you, Crush. Ooh, that, that's a failure. That is just north of of, of, of the midpoint line of, of whether you're sane or insane. Well, I'll take it. I don't think you have any other choice. <laughs> it it is what it is. <laughs> I'm not ashamed, that's all. No, don't be. Don't. That's a badge of honor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about uh, a little bit about your background, and we're going to get to some stories from your hikes and maybe even from your sailing adventures and also what happened with your, your back and your neck. So I'm going to leave it right there. Stay tuned for that. Let's hear from the sponsors. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking with Crush. That's Crush with a C, also known as Pepper, if we're if he's on the islands. And we we went through a, a rousing rendition of the hiking pole. Uh one, one, one of the most unique hiking poles we've ever done. But now let, let's get down to it. Where, where did you grow up, Pepper? Uh, I grew up in Virginia. Okay. And so growing up in Virginia, growing up on the, on the East coast is, does the AT just kind of percolate your, your consciousness? I think, uh, to a, to a certain extent, yes. Um, it was introduced to me sort of like passively nonchalant, uh, inadvertently through a loose friend connection in high school. Um, this kid, Jeff Buchanan. So I'm in Southeast Virginia and the mountains are like three or four hours away. And, uh, I'm over at this kid, Jeff's house one day, I was like 17. So this is like 2001. Jeff's like, yo, do you want to see my Appalachian trail gear? And I was like, you're what? And he like takes me out in his garage and he's got one of those goobery external frame packs we were talking about with, you know, like the, looks like a lawn chair, but it's a pack. Uh, he's got like, 
a hardware store tarp. He's got all this junk. It's probably like 40 pounds. He's like, I'm, I'm putting together gear to hike the Appalachian trail. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's like 2000 miles long and you hike the whole thing. And yeah, so the seed was planted. I mean, you know, at the time I felt like, oh, I'm 17. How have I never heard of this? And now I'm more than twice that. And uh, it's just been a part of my conscience ever since then. Yeah, it kind of seeps into your soul when you hear about it. It kind of works its way in until you are compelled to do it. Yeah, that happened. I became compelled. There was like the seed planted and it grew. And at some point it was like, I'm going to go do that now. And so when did you make that decision? I mean, how, how did that occur? And you mentioned briefly earlier about, uh, you know, a law firm or, or lawyer work or, or, or something to that effect. And you made a, a big right turn in your life. It sounds like. Yeah, I did. Um, okay. So this is the AT actually happens like years after that. So basically I went from boring, like suburban childhood. I was into like pop punk and skateboarding. I broke my arm a couple times as a teenager skateboarding, uh, moved to Richmond, Virginia after high school, which is like the city. It's like a small, big city or a big, small city or something to that effect. It was cool. I lived there for 11 years. I rode a fixed gear bike around the city for five years. I didn't have a car. That was like the most outdoorsy thing I did was like get drunk at the river in Richmond for that period of my life. I was going to like punk shows and metal shows. And that are, is that a rite of passage in Virginia, getting drunk by the river? I feel like if you live in Richmond, if you go to college at VCU, you better be drinking at the river. Um, I mean, if you drink, I don't, you know, some people don't good for them. They're healthier. Uh, I, I wish I could go back and slap the beer out of my hand sometimes. Um, but no, uh, yeah. As like a general youth culture thing in the city of Richmond, you're definitely hanging out at the river, Texas beach, uh, partying with PBR, you know, that whole scene. I don't know. PBR. PBR. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I drank uh, more PBRs than any one human being needs to drink in a lifetime between the age of like 19 and 24, probably. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I was living in Richmond. I finished college. Then my life gets really boring because I get like a real big boy job. Uh, after I finished college, I work at a convenience store for a year selling PBR to college kids I'm and then i'm sensing a theme <laughs> right? well and then the, all of a sudden it's like oh i i gotta like do something with my political science degree which should have been bio uh but i like wussed out um because of math and other things i i didn't <laughs> i i won't go into that uh, i just changed my major and i was like yeah i'm gonna do all this like philosophy and psychology and it was pretty cool, honestly. Um, college ruled. I learned a lot. Uh, mostly political science taught me to stay out of politics. Um, as far as the American political system is concerned, uh, there were people going to school at VCU that were like, I'm going to join the General Assembly and I'm going to be a politician in D.C. And it's like I was like, 
I'm going to not do that. So, you know, I had this degree and I was like, what do I do with this? My buddy's like, dude, you could get a job in the legal field through a staffing agency. And I was like, great idea. So long story short, I get a job at this huge, like kind of corporate size and style firm uh, where I'm sitting in a cubicle for four years. And I, I uh, we were working on, it was actually kind of neat, honestly. We worked on the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, um, which is the, you know, Gulf of Mexico oil spill in 2010, totally destroyed right. an entire ecosystem as well as the economy of the entire Gulf Coast. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, did that for four years, but the reality of like, like office life, uh, having to show up every single day and have somebody bark, bark down my neck that like, you know, we need this yesterday. And it's like, that's cool. Uh, I'm an automaton. I'm just here to do this thing. And I don't know, it was really not good for me. Um, like we said earlier, slowly chipping away at my soul. Uh, it got really dark for me near the end of that. And years before I finished that job, and when I say finished, I mean quit. Um, I knew I wasn't going to stay there. I had LASIK surgery in 2011. So that job was cool because it helped me pay off my student loans, uh, save money, uh, have LASIK surgery. And I, when I had LASIK in June of 2011, I was like, this is because someday I'm going to be wearing a snorkel mask and I don't want to have glasses. And sure enough, um, in early 2014, I went to Puerto Rico with my friend who was doing a downhill skateboarding competition in uh, Cape Verdeas. It's called the uh, Guadalajara. I forget the name. Guadalajara Downhill. Guadalajara. That was the name of the neighborhood around there. Uh, and I think one of the beaches this is like Northwest Puerto Rico. Guadalajara Downhill. Um, that was really cool. We were there for like two weeks and I, and it was January and I was like, what is this world? It's like summertime in January. And I just, it was like a switch flipped. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I go back to my law firm job and I sit down at my boss's desk and he's like senior counsel at the firm, uh, you know, way high up really awesome guy totally understands that I wasn't really cut from the, the law firm cloth. And I was like, dude, you're not going to like this. And he's like, what's up, man. And I was like, I'm going to move to the Caribbean. And he was like, uh, I didn't really expect you to come back in the first place. So, you know, thanks for coming back and telling me in person. So yeah, a few weeks later, I was done. I, that was basically my two weeks right there. And uh, I up and moved to St. John, Virgin Islands, which is like right next to, door to Puerto Rico. Uh, it's kind of an easy place to integrate. They use U.S. dollars. Uh, people speak English. Um, it was just an easy jumping off point. And it's a national park. They have great reefs. There's all kinds of like sailing and boating, which is what I was like secretly like, I'm going to get into this like boating world. I didn't know anything about that stuff. I grew up in like a, you know, lower middle class family 
Uh, we did not have access to boats and sailing. You know, yacht rock uh, was something that I picked up on after getting into boats. Um, what I discovered that was most meaningful was uh, being in the water, more so than being on the water. Being in the water in the tropics is my other favorite thing to being in the mountains through hiking. Uh, and I won't go there because if I do, I'm never going to shut up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically I worked on sailboats, day charters. I was like the first mate, you know, help sail the boat, get people drunk, take them snorkeling, throw them in the water and show them like uh, octopuses and uh, fish and coral and the awesome world of the reefs of the Caribbean sea. Uh, and then I moved from there. Oh, well, because in September of 2017, hurricane Irma kind of wrecked house in the Virgin islands. And then Maria rolled through a couple weeks later and really screwed things up for the rest of the VI and Puerto Rico. And we were all kind of, uh, living in like an apocalypse zone for a few months. And I had been busing tables at a restaurant after my day trips on the boats. And I helped them put the restaurant back together, waited tables for a little while. And then I was like, I got to keep sailing. So I moved to Maine where I had friends who taught me to sail. Uh, shout out to Ann and Colin. Um, they had shown me in 2014 when I first moved to the Caribbean, I went to hang out in Maine and they were like, yo, check out these schooners. They're like hundred foot long wooden sailboats that have been repurposed from like fishing and uh, moving lumber and stone up and down the East coast to passenger trade. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I got a job on a schooner and did that for a couple of years. And that was sweet, dude. Um, you know, sailing around Penobscot Bay, Maine, uh, again, get people drunk, help them have a good time. Um, Holy smokes, Crush. I and mean, this is, I, I, you know what? I'm going to have to have you come back on and we're going to do a separate episode on just island life and and uh, life life on, on a ship, on the schooner. And we'll we'll talk about that. I mean, that is, I don't that know is fascinating. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you for appreciating. But like, I already feel like how many minutes have I just wasted talking about <laughs> boats on a through hiking podcast? Uh, you know, it's it's not. Hey, let me clarify. It's not a through hiking podcast. It's an outdoor adventure podcast. But it all fits. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to live it myself. There's all kinds of adventure out there, and I'd be happy to go down that that path with you. But let's get back to let's get back to the trail. Let's let's talk about your AT experience in 2020. So you okay. make the decision and take us through that decision and, and leading up to heading, did you do a northbound hike? Did you start at Springer? Yeah. So the, the decision was made while working on the schooner. And I guess that's why I started telling you like my whole life history there. My bad. Uh, uh, but while I was working on that schooner, I was like, what am I going to do next? Like, I want to do something else. And, and that, that seed that had been growing the whole time I was working at a law firm and living in the Caribbean and sailing the coast of Maine, there was this thing that was like, someday you're going to walk 2,000 miles through the mountains. And that thing just popped up one day and it was like, oh, oh, 
holy cow, I'm going to hike the AT next year. I swear it, it was like a brick just came flying out of the air and hit me in the head. And it said Appalachian Trail on it. And it was like waking up to what I was going to do next. And so then my entire last season on the schooner, which was 2019, I was planning for the AT in 2020. Uh, I made that decision in March of 2019, and I got on the trail on Friday the 13th of March 2020. By choice. Chose that date. Um, lucky lucky 13. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, I started at Amicalola Falls. I wanted to do the 600 stairs or however many it is. Um, I, I wanted to go northbound, do a traditional hike. I didn't know beyond, like, being a nerd and doing some research on the Internet. I didn't know stuff about hiking or long okay. distance hiking or living in the wilderness. So, so you show up to Springer mountain on Friday the 13th. What do you expect? How do you think this is going to go? Uh, I guess I kind of expected what I got in to, to some extent. I, 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 I do this thing whenever I'm doing research, I refuse to watch people's vlogs or documentaries because that's spoilers. So I'm going in blind. I don't know what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like. I didn't realize the AT was like, go up one mountain and down the next one and up one mountain and down the next. Like, holy cow, the climbs and descents on the AT were awesome. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of things that it was like you spend the first month on trail realizing how bad it hurts in your feet and how cold and wet everything you have gets at nighttime. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that I could never have guessed what it was going to be like. Uh, but, you know, right off the bat, uh, I kind of showed up like I am now, like little kid in a candy store excited to the Springer Mountain shelter. I stopped at Springer Mountain on night one. I was like, that was good. Eight miles done. I think I did eight to 10 miles for like two weeks. It feels like anyway. Um, and I started making friends, you know, other people show up. We're all excited. Everybody's sort of like feeling kind of open and just happy to be there. And we all sat at the big picnic table next to the shelter and had dinner together. Um, yeah. So I started making friends and, uh, I guess it just went from there. Nice. I love that concept of going in blind. Not wanting to ruin the surprise, you're going to experience it firsthand. Let's see, let's see what it's like, and and the the two weeks of eight to ten miles per day, that that's incredible as well. What what did you end up averaging for the trail? When you started March 13th, when did you finish? Jeez, uh, I didn't actually do my homework on remembering these, so I can remember all kinds of random important details, and then some of them just kind of uh, become blurry. And I think it was either September 3rd or September 6th. I do know it was 177 days okay, on the Appalachian so almost, Trail. Almost six months then. Yeah, three days short of six months. Got it. Got it. Um, which actually, the math doesn't seem to add up. I don't know. Maybe I didn't count the zeros in that. I, I forget. Um well, you, you, you wussed out of, what did you wussed out? You wussed out of something because of math in college. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> hey, I can do basic arithmetic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm really good at using my short-term memory and then saying, well, that's like written down somewhere. So my brain doesn't need to retain that information anymore. And it like leaks out my ear. That's right. Yep. That's right. You could always take off your shoes and count on your finger toes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. So when you think back to the AT, what, what is the, the most common story that you tell? Because we, we always look back at our adventures and we get to family gatherings and we, we share these epic stories. Do you have, do you have some epic stories from the AT? I mean, yeah. So I thought about this, um, you know, preparing for this episode. I actually don't like telling the stories very much. Like if you get me at the right time, if you bring up something that says, oh yeah, I did something like that, that reminded me of, let me tell you about it. Then I'll like, the story will just come out. But a lot of the time, it's not like I've got this like docket of like, all right, if somebody asks me for a cool story, I'm going to drop this one and this one. Uh, so now, you know, now, you, now you sound like my dad in Vietnam. I never heard any <laughs> Vietnam stories or very rarely. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so there is, I, I do have like a story I could tell you, um, that I guess does tend to come up. Uh, because of that tent that I have, right? I'm always looking for alternatives as far as shelters go, but that tent has a uh, Dyneema floor, right? DCF, Cuban fiber, whatever you want to call it. The floor is, before any holes are poked in it, it's a waterproof membrane that stands like inches off the ground. They call it a bathtub. Um, I mentioned earlier being on my way to Mount Washington, like on one of the presidentials just short of Washington and getting caught in a storm and wrapping myself in that duplex. Well, that same night, uh, oh, and this is important. 2020 was a strange year for the Appalachian Trail. The ATC asked us to stop hiking. And we were all like a week in when that happened. And I was like homeless and jobless. So like many other people, there were a couple hundred of us that were just like, um, I'm just going to keep hiking because I'm already out here in the wilderness, separated from society. Nowhere else to go. And you're, you're, Nowhere you're, else to uh, go. you're isolating you know, already. Yeah. And the alternative would have been, uh, the one place that I could have gone would have required me to like get on a bus and go to my mom's house in Virginia. And my mom at the time was like 72, 73 years old. And COVID was dangerous to people in her generation. So I was like, I'm not going to go hang out at my mom's house. I couldn't live with myself if I uh, ended up being the reason that my mom got COVID. So I just stayed on trail. And most of my friends, the people I started with, um, they were all of a similar mindset. Uh, so we just did the hike. And so like, for instance, Shenandoah was totally empty. Um, I don't think we were supposed to be in there, but like they didn't stop us. We saw a ranger and we were like, Hey, and he just kind of like, you know, turned a blind eye. And that was surreal, dude. It was like a ghost town. So a lot of the AT for me and the 20 class of 2020, um, represent uh we had a different experience from what a lot of people have so in the whites 
you know, you have the AMC, um, no comment on that coming from me, but they have this whole system that I don't understand with their huts. I don't understand it because that system was completely in like it was, it had collapsed during COVID. It, it wasn't happening. Um, they weren't letting people in the huts. So the people that were out there through hiking, uh, we had to kind of figure it out. And so I ended up stealth camping just down from the uh, Lakes of the Clouds hut on a side trail in this weird little spot that's like you go down some rocks and then there's this bowl that's like no bigger than the floor of my tent. And I managed to pitch my tent in there and I'm like up in the trees, like they're like all over me and my tent is like in the trees and it's this bowl of earth and those rocks, the, the storm came every single day at that time of year, Mount Washington gets weather and that storm came and I'm like on the side of Mount Washington and it's just like freaking torrential downpour for an hour straight. And I'm sitting in my tent looking out and the water is cascading down these rocks that I came down to get in this bowl, which is literally a depression in the earth that starts filling with water. <laughs> and I was like, uh, this is good. And I have video from my cell phone where the, that bathtub floor, right? The DCF floor of my tent is floating in the pool of water that my tent is sitting in. And I'm, sitting on my sleeping pad poking the bathtub floor and it's like like a freaking waterbed and I, I was like this is nuts so ever since then um i haven't felt comfortable sleeping in any shelter that doesn't have a floor of that caliber because it's like there's gonna come another time when i'm gonna drown if i don't have a waterproof floor in my shelter yeah, you're like you're like my my grandparents who lived through the depression. And so they are hanging on they they held on to every single penny they could cuz you you never knew when that was going to happen again. You you are not going to give up the bathtub floor because you never know. You lived through that experience and you, you want to be ready for the next time it happens. That is a perfect analogy. Yes. Fantastic. Now, when you finish the AT um, looking back, what did, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about Pepper after having gone 2,200 plus miles on this trail? I learned that I hate the cold. <laughs> like I had already, uh, sailing in Maine in August. I remember this time I was like wearing a wool sweater on top of a wool sweater <laughs> and I was still cold. And I was like, something is seriously wrong with this picture, but it never really clicked until I was on the AT and had a really close tramily and a hiking partner who I think quietly stomached my cold aversion. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I survived it. I learned that I can hike 25 to 30 miles in a day, which is something that I never knew possible about myself. I've never been like truly athletic in any sense. So that was major for me. 
um, you know, talking about leveling up earlier, like I felt like uh, I had transcended my entire previous lifetime. And in 2020, I was, I turned 36 on the Appalachian Trail. And that was like when I first felt like fully self-actualized in my body. Yeah, you went from Bilbo to uh, to Strider. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll take that for sure. Nice. Leveling up. Leveling up. Now, I want to make sure we have enough time because there's a couple, a couple more things I want to hear about. Let's fast forward a couple of years. You're on the PCT. You mentioned before that you, you got into the Sierras in May. I mean, typically, your, your PCT hikers are waiting until, is it is it uh, June 15th to, to enter yeah, into the Sierras? Yeah, it was the 16th, whatever way yeah. day, right? Right. Correct. Correct. And so what was it like? What were the conditions when you went in in May? Uh, cold. But that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually got to Kennedy Meadows South on 420. Uh, I sent myself a box in February to Grumpy Bears with pants and an ice axe. Uh, and it said ETA 420. And that was the day I got there. I was so pumped. I was like, you guys see the accuracy on this? They were like, okay, weirdo. Uh, <laughs> um, so then I basically like lollygagged for 10 days. I went back down to Lake Isabella where my hiking partner and buddy Yukon, who was triple B on the Appalachian trail. There are definitely, I have talked too much and I am skipping so much important detail. It's okay. Um, That's okay. There's another episode in our future. We can cover all that later. So go ahead. Right on, right on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Yukon was still in Lake Isabella. So I went from Kennedy Meadows South to Ridgecrest to Lake Isabella, hung out with him. Uh, we went to Sequoia National Park on a road trip because we had a car in Lake Isabella. That is a whole nother story. We got back to Lake Isabella a few days later, got on. It, Sequoia was a bust because it was snowy and we were in the Green Hornet, which is this ancient sedan. So... It didn't even happen. It was like a road trip to pass some time. We get back a few days later and I did Walker Pass to Kennedy Meadows South twice. Like my second time was with Yukon. So my total miles, cause I did every single mile of the PCT, my total miles were over 2,700, not even counting like side trails, blue blazes, pass or uh, yeah, passes to get in and out of the Sierras, whatever. Um, just, so, just for grins and just for grins and giggles. I mean, do yeah, yeah. and I, people are like, I wouldn't want to do that section twice. And I'm like, I kind of have fond memories of that section from doing it twice, honestly. So I don't know. Anyways, it was May 1st. We went into the Sierra. May 5th is my birthday. Um, and that's when we were on top of Mount Whitney. <laughs> it was so cold uh, that I could only find the metal sign, which you're supposed to like hold up in the sunrise, I guess. And I, I was like, I'm not going there at sunrise. It was warmer at sunrise. I should have done the sunrise hike. We left at like 3 a.m. anyways. We get up there. I'm freezing and I'm holding this metal sign through my like wool gloves. My hands are numb. And I was like, just take the picture so I can get down from this mountain. Uh, 
So very, very, very cold and icy and crazy. The seven passes in the Sierra were gnarly, dude. Like, like just ice sheet going up and you get up there and it's like, uh, you know, snow hell as far as the eyes can see. Beautiful. But, you know, knowing that you're hiking into that is like, oh boy, like I can't wait to post hole for the rest of the day. Um, Forrester Pass, I was like sick that morning. So I made Yukon late because he was kind enough to wait for me. And we did Forrester Pass at like 1130 in the morning. And we thought we were being irresponsible. And there were people coming over Forrester Pass like hours after us. And they all face like near-death experiences. I freaking post hold up to my chest going down Forrester Pass. Like, I don't know. Mirror Pass was like the longest snow walk of my entire life. <laughs> um I, I this is all type two right like i have a lot of really fond loving memories of this experience talk about like the things that you gain in the leveling up experience like i've never done anything like the high sierra in the month of may and i don't know that i ever will again that that so, is a a feels like sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity just because man it, you talk about it now with fondness, but when it was going on, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you weren't thinking about it with fondness. It was a struggle. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, I think I got to the edge of my sanity for sure. Okay. Your score would have been lower than 53 at that point. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and post holding, Post holing to to the the middle of your chest or high chest, I mean, is that is that post holing? That's like another. There's got to be another name for that because you know I, when I think of post holing, I'm thinking of a single leg going in. But this is like yeah, your, your leg is the post, body. right? Right. So, yeah. So body holing is like cadaver holing or you know grave digging. Grave digging. There you go. That that works. I, you you may have just coined that term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that might be the episode title. Grave digging with Christ. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Hey, again, we're going to have to leave some stuff in the rear view because I want to hear about uh, what's going on with your neck and with your shoulders and how that's going to impact your possible completion of the Triple Crown. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I did that whole crazy PCT experience. Once again, I took six months to do that hike. Um, one of my many tramilies names is endless zeros from the number of zeros that we took uh it took six months but i probably only did like four to four and a half months of actual hiking so i've uh, got three i've got three amigos i've got turd graders and now we've got endless zeros i think there's another one in there too somewhere trench pullers trench pullers that's right yep Damn. yeah uh i got mad love for all these people by the way uh that's like the most important thing in through hiking as far as I'm concerned. But uh, anyways, was, was the endless zeros, was that also kind of a play on words in terms of, you know, what your potential is in life? I, I would, I would wear that was, as a badge of honor as well. Oh, blow, dude. All right. Look, oh, no, no, I, I, I think, I, I think that's clever. I think that's clever. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll take it as like hiker trash, right? It's a that's term right. of yeah. endearment. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause the reality is all of those people are freaking amazing and doing uh, awesome stuff with their lives. So yeah. It's also ironic. 
it's also ironic, right? To think of it that way. And so it adds, it adds that extra level. I love, I love names and uh, concepts that have lots of layers. So that, I, I meant that I didn't mean that as an insult. I meant that in the best way possible. Right on respect. Thank you. Uh, wait, so what was the question? <laughs> oh, my neck. Your neck. Okay, yeah. I did that whole crazy six month hike with like, you know, high Sierra in May, blah, 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 lots of cold, survived it, killed it, whatever, crushed it, right? Um, it's three weeks after getting off the PCT, I'm staying with my 2014 PCT hiker friends, Half Double and Shiny, uh, props to them. We were on a leisurely drive to go drink wine in Sonoida, Arizona, and some buddy rear-ended us at 45 miles per hour while we were stopped at a red light. And um, I don't remember any of that. I woke up hours later in the hospital. And long story short, I've got a lot of complications in my neck from like the whiplash because I was sitting in the passenger seat and uh, somehow because of all the forces involved, I got it worse than anybody else. Um, Shiny did get like stitches in the back of her head. Like it was gnarly, dude. Um, and you know, my takeaway is the trail isn't as dangerous as the cotton world, dude. Like you're more likely to get killed driving to work in the morning than you are to fall off a mountain on a through hike. So yeah. Anyways, I got really messed up. Um, I like chipped my C1. I tore my ailer ligament, which is part of your craniocervical junction. I herniated a couple of discs in my neck and I got all these doctors telling me all this different stuff like, uh, oh, you need surgery, like spinal fusion or like uh, you could have complications for the rest of your life, whatever. And it kind of looks like I might be like um, recovering from this in some fashion for years to come. Uh this is a constantly evolving reality. So like when we first touched base about this weeks ago, uh, it's there's so much more to tell now than there was then. And I don't know what next week is going to look like. So my whole hiking plans are up in the air. Um, I wasn't able to go back to doing the work I was doing to save for the PCT, which was construction. I'm not supposed to be doing heavy lifting type work right now um and like one of the doctors is like yeah you know just be careful how much uh weight you put on your shoulders and i was like all right what <laughs> i was like you know that's what i do like that's my identity is carrying weight on my shoulders like say hey doc how about 12 pounds is that all right yeah so that's what i hinted at earlier in the episode was like i'm glad that i have an ultralight base weight because I don't know if I could actually successfully through hike at this point, if I was carrying like 25 pounds of gear. Um, but I'm really hopeful. Uh, I, I don't know how much to say, to be entirely honest. Um, say whatever, all, whatever you're comfortable, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. Well, it's all up in the air, but I am hopeful. Um, my friend No Breaks told me he went through a very similar circumstance and he said, and this dude, this dude is uh, top, top of the crop through hiker material. And I met him years after 
he went through a similar scenario and has since recovered and continues to to live his life on his terms. He said through hikers are super strong people. And that's the reason that this one doctor was like, I can't understand why you're not dead or paralyzed from the neck down. And he said, probably because you just got done carrying a pack for six months straight and walking 20 miles a day every day. Um, so, you know, I have to believe that through my lifestyle and my personal choices that I'm going to come out of this on top and that this isn't going to stop me from achieving my goals, which involve like another 5,000 miles of long distance hiking at the time. Yeah. Your, your mental perspective is so important uh, in any kind of recovery. And so having that mindset, I think is very, very important. And I also wanted to ask, cause I thought you were leading up to this, that, that no breaks was the name of the guy that ran India. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's another little irony for you. Yeah. That guy was definitely his, uh, jerk driver name is no breaks. <laughs> uh, funny little pun about no breaks. trail name is it's actually no breaks. Like he doesn't, uh, stop to take a break. It's not B -R that he doesn't have breaks on his, on his That's feet. Right. B, B R E A K S instead of yeah. B R A K E S. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So the guy who hit me, that's no breaks. B R A K E S. <laughs> Clarification. You know, we should give, we should give names. Like we do trail names, give names that for situations in our, in our regular lives. I and mean, I can think of a, a, a bunch of names that I can give people that I, I work with or, or see on a regular basis, just based on things that have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, nicknames are a thing. Like, I don't know if I really want to like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe the guy deserves the name. No breaks. Um, I have, I don't even know who it was. I never saw him. I was unconscious. Like I haven't seen the police report yet. Um, that whole process, dude, bureaucracy and everything ever since like the pandemic, everything's moving at like half speed. Uh, I don't know anything about that situation so this guy is like a concept so no breaks is actually that's good appropriate on some nice. level and pepper I, I love the way you brought me back down to earth here i am talking all esoterically about you know if we could just apply this trail name concept to real life and doing this and you're like yeah dude that's that's called nicknames we, we do that already that, that was awesome that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh man sorry that's all right. Hey, Crush, you know where we are? Where are we? The Pro Tip Insight of the Week. Hey, it's time for you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? All right. Well, uh, that's really funny timing. Um, it's hard to call it trail wisdom, but I like to think of life as a trail, right? We, we constantly draw that metaphor here on, on the podcast. So I, I'm in complete agreement. Right on. Well, uh, the best thing that I could come up with, you know, I guess based on my recent life experience and where I'm at, and like if I wanted to like give a pointer to to whoever, I mean, it's it's easy to say like, you know, stop and smell the roses to like somebody who's a new through hiker. Like don't let the bro culture get the best of you. Um, 
it's not a real sport <laughs> um more importantly uh, <laughs> uh sorry new new title candidate it's it's not a real sport yes <laughs> okay uh more importantly um every morning that you wake up right conscious breathing thinking remembering the day before and able to get out of bed and walk around it's like uh that's a blessing or uh in its simplest terms good fortune every single morning that that happens um it's not guaranteed you know uh that can be taken away at a moment's notice and we just kind of go through life assuming like i'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow isn't guaranteed and like this isn't exactly like sage wisdom but it's very real to me in my life right now because i woke up in the hospital and was like where the hell am i and how did i get here and i don't remember that accident if that had been the end of my life I wouldn't have been present to experience it. Um, and since then, I've had to face this whole sentiment of, am I even going to be able to keep hiking? And it's like, yeah, you know, it's really easy for us to only see other hikers and be like, oh, yeah, it's normal to be able to hike 2,000 miles. It's totally not normal. It's uh, it's a blessing. Um yeah, it's just not guaranteed and we shouldn't take it for granted. That's all. We are getting deep here. Um, just to echo that, I, I, I love that sentiment. And I've said it before. Every day, every moment, we stand on the edge of infinity. I mean, we are, we're, we're walking the edge. It, it, it can all change in, in an instant. And to appreciate what you have while you have it, I think that's a, a real special skill. Well said. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Crush. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Crush, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, mostly Instagram. My handle's narwhal138 with a G on the front, like gnarly. Uh, you know. By the narwhals. way, I love, I, I love that handle, narwhal. I thought that was your trail name at first. Narwhal, right. I'm thinking what what a great trail name, Narwhal with a G in front of it. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was very fitting when I was like an ocean going person, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, it's I always say it's the unicorn of the sea, um, but it still fits. You know, the, oh, I'm like shredding the Nar, bro, whatever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Narwhal138 with a G. Instagram is pretty much it. Uh, but I have like a YouTube, a Facebook. If you like Google Narwhal138, you're going to find me in places that I forgot I existed. It's been my handle in some fashion for like a decade at least. So that's the way to do it. What um, does the 138 uh, signify? That is... <laughs> okay, so 138 comes from a Glenn Danzig Misfits song, uh, We Are 138, which is about being automatons um, in like an Orwellian society, which is actually a reference to George Lucas's first film, THX 1138. Yeah, dude. So I'm a hardcore Star Wars nerd, amongst other varieties of nerddom. 
so oh, I'm already you know, I'm already working on our, our next episode outline. I'm working all this in. This is gonna be good. Yes. All right, cool. Uh yeah, so the 138 is a Misfits reference because like I said, I grew up on like punk rock. Um old Misfits, Glenn Danzig Misfits is just some of my favorite, even though the sentiments and lyrics uh that Danzig was writing in the 70s are kind of terrible. Uh they <laughs> Uh, when I play Misfit songs on my ukulele, I sort of like uh, edit some of the lyrics to be less terrible because it's like, yeah, dude, it's 2023. That shit doesn't fly anymore. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's one of those things hard to grow out of, you know, but I always say the 138 can stay um, because it's actually Glenn Danzig was also a huge nerd. The skull and crossbones shirt that he wore was a reference to Captain Harlock, which was an anime by Leiji Matsumoto. Rest in peace. Uh, huge nerd. All, wow. his, all his songs were about horror movies. And wow. so, so we are 138 was a loose reference to a George Lucas's first film. And I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. And the number 1138 appears throughout Star Wars repeatedly. So many tidbits there. So, so many bits of information. That's fantastic. Um, that's great. So I'm, I'm glad that you got a chance to, to listen to the misfits and to, to watch the star Wars in between Christopher cross and John Ford Coley. That's, that's, that's a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at John at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Crush, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, movie, documentary, some kind of uh, outdoor media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. We call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? It's a book. Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart by Carrot Quinn. Yes, good one. Very good. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's the most accurate and like, like, open-hearted, vulnerable uh, expression of what it's like to exist emotionally in the trail community in our generation. Wow, that is a big endorsement. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And if you have not read Through Hacking Will Break Your Heart by Kara Quinn, do yourself a favor, get it and 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 start turning the pages. Excellent choice. Thank you. Have we not asked you? Now, I know before we wrap things up here, we've got one more segment about, it's called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? We skipped a lot of material. We we skipped a lot. We left a lot on the table. But if there's one thing that you'd also like to share before we leave, what is it? Oh my gosh, dude. We really did skip so many things, right? Yeah. Um, and sheesh, like, I don't know. There was like a, Okay. Okay. This is actually the most important of all the things because I had so many like silly things to talk about and I've already taken up all your time. Uh, and this episode I think is going to air after it happens, but maybe the donations page will still be open. Um, my next thing is the hot dog hike, uh, which is a five day, 100 mile section hike of the Arizona trail from March 15th to 19th. And uh, it's going to be 30 hikers wearing hot dog costumes doing like kind of big miles if you're not like actively on trail 520s including mica mountain which is like a six thousand foot climb um yeah it's gonna be pretty burly and also a lot of fun so 
the whole point of it is to raise money for the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona. And that has a lot of purpose. Uh, ever since that accident, I kind of woke up in the sense of like, how can I do what I love to do and have it have more meaning than just like self-fulfillment? So I started looking into the idea of charity hiking, the way that people will be like, I'm going to run a marathon and, you know, raise money for every mile. You can donate like 10 bucks. Well, maybe I'm going to do like for every mile of the CDT, you can donate 10 cents and it ends up being like 300 bucks or something. I don't know. I'm not doing that math. <laughs> There's the math question again. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. You know, so I discovered this hike and I was like, I'm totally doing that. And I managed to become a part of it. And I'm so freaking excited. We've already raised $11,000 or $12,000 for the community food bank of Southern Arizona, which is a massive highly effective organization fighting hunger in the entire Southern half of the state. Um, so again, if you go to hotdoghike.com slash donate here, I don't know when that's going to shut down. Um, but if it's still open, please throw some money at the food bank uh, in the name of through hiking. That is fantastic. Congratulations on doing that. That's, that's very exciting. And it sounds like a, a Jeff Garmeyer type of event type of activity you know, right, right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's being run by a local guy though. He's a uh, mural artist who was on the PCT last year. I didn't meet him, but his name's Joe Padgett, and uh, he's well known in Tucson. And okay. he was the one who came up with the idea. Fantastic. All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freakamere Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family crush? Uh, yeah, the Tree Amigos, Yukon Songbird, and myself. Um, most important people on the PCT for me, as well as the trench pullers, which includes Uncle Nomad, who I've been hiking with lately, uh, Watts and Coffee, and Endless Zeros, like I mentioned before, Azul, Build-A-Bear, Jedi, Kappa. I love you guys. Jedi was also on the AT. So was Yukon as Triple B. Um, AT hikers, the third graders, Downhill, Cascade, and Pan, those three people, uh, means so much to me. I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, the backcountry body works, the jabronis ramble who was Abby on day one. I didn't tell this cause I thought maybe there would be time. She was my first friend on in through hiking. Uh, yeah. Abby is doing the PCT this year and she's stoked and it's like record snow. So that's wild. Oh. she's going to kill it. Be uh, careful, Wiki. Abby, go get it. Yeah. Wiki is also doing the PCT this year. He's from AT 2020. Um, yeah, he's ready for it. I know he's going to do good. Uh, there's so many more through hikers that I want to shout out, but I feel like I'm just going to start going and going. Uh, my family, I love you. Uh, yeah, that, that's it for now. That's it. Nice. The PCT is going to be a crazy year this year. I would love if, if you know somebody that's going to be on the PCT, I would love to do some conversations maybe when they're in town somewhere just to hear about the conditions and what's going on. If, if Abby would be a, a good candidate for that, uh, please uh, pass on my information to her. Yeah, I will. Most definitely. I agree. I want to hear everything about what's going on on the PCT this year because it's going to be wild. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if a mouse nod the shoulder strap right off your backpack. The trail is the trail.
Embrace the suck. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.